This week on Fair of the Free Child podcast. Maybe a request from a child of mine or, you know, or if there's something that they ask me to do or not to do, and I might be a little uncomfortable with it. Or I, upset. Or, or even upset. upset. I stop. The first and foremost thing I do is listen, because that's how you're going to know what it is that is being requested. You can just listen not say anything and just perform the request, or you can discuss it and come to an agreement and then act according to the agreement. So triggers don't turn me off. I get upset, but it doesn't turn me off completely. Like, okay, I'm not going back over there or I'm not talk to them again or I'm in a business, I fit and pick me. I don't do that because I want to be involved. I want to be in their lives. That's how I handle my triggers. You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. Peace, y'all. Welcome to episode 151. We are almost at the final episode for 2019, and I made it a point (laughs) to ensure that these last few episodes would stay with you. Now, this one, this guest is... Absolutely, unabashedly one of my favorites. It's my mom, (laughs) Val of Val and Our Plants. Love this particular plant lady. Anyway, I've long had this idea of um, having this deep-ass conversation with my mom about the ways that she and I have evolved our relationship over time, particularly in my adulthood. That transition from being a child into being an adult and then being seen as an adult, being treated as an adult, acting like an adult as well. I think many of us know people who are grown as hell, 30s, 40s, 50s, who around their parents, for whatever the reasons are, they're childlike. We didn't grow out of all of the things or we didn't move past all of the things. We didn't have tools for addressing the things. So we keep using the same behavior, hiding, lashing out, you know, fronting, pretending, performing, all of those things. And I was and am really deliberate about not carrying that on. And as you'll hear in this episode, my mom has also been really deliberate about not carrying on some of the things that she's seen, both when she was... um, a child under the guidance of adults and also now in her adult life in her partnerships and associations with people in her age group, she's in her 60s, you know, how they deal with their adult children. So I've had this idea and I wanted to have this certain type of conversation and I was like, yes, this is about to be exactly this thing that I had imagined in my mind. A very schoolish approach, very specific idea that I just wanted the whole conversation to fit into. (laughs) And as I started to have the conversation with my mom, leading up to the recording, I realized that what I needed to do was just like shut up and let her talk, let mom talk, offer her some guidance and some really loose structure in the form of some questions, and then just let her talk, you know, let her feel through the stuff herself because If not, there was a very strong chance that I was going to turn it into the type of conversation that I wanted to share 
or I was going to get annoyed or upset or whatever the thing was because the conversation wasn't going in the direction I wanted it to go. So I wanted to say that to you because it's an example of schoolishness. And it's also very much an example of de-schooling. So I am de-schooling from the idea that because I'm in a position where people look to me for stories and sharings and my own insights around what it means to move past really painful stuck points in intergenerational relationships, primarily with children or you as a child (laughs) of another adult. Because of that, I was going with this idea that it needed to solve something. The way mom described things needed to feel like the opposite of what like Asia or Danny in previous episodes were feeling. This episode was going to counter that and make it this particular thing. That's what I had in mind. And so I'm currently de-schooling from the idea that it needs to be this specific way in order for people to receive it well. And so the way that I work with that de-schooling nudge is to shut up (laughs) and let my mom talk, which is exactly what this episode is. All right. And midway through this talk, where my mom is just like waxing poetic, I'm going to talk to you about DCC 2020, the De-Schooling Communications Collective, which is designed to nurture and create and evolve people, language, and practice around intergenerational healing. So we will be talking about healing forwards in the way that we deal with our children and the way we relate to ourselves, and then backwards, because that's absolutely going to affect the way that our elders see us and also how we see them. All right. So listen out for that. And in the meantime, enjoy as this beautiful, brilliant, amazing woman talks to us about another interesting perspective on Black Mama Trauma. Listening to the both, the one with Danny and also the one with Asia, they were quite familiar to me. As a middle-aged woman born in the late 50s, grew up in the 60s, so I had aunts and parents from that era who were what we would consider extremely old-fashioned because of the way they were raised, and they were very strict with how they felt children should be raised and so they instilled they would instill that upon me um some of the things i definitely didn't agree with but as a child you go along with it i found that a lot of those things affected me as an adult and by the time i started having children um a lot of times i had to catch myself with some of the same things i saw that they were doing that i didn't particularly like either so listening, again, listening to the, both those people brought back the memories of those for me. Some of the things that incentivized me into having a good or a better relationship with my children are what I see happening around me. I have peers who don't have a good relationship with their children because of ways that they have. And when I say ways that they have, I mean the ways they were raised, even though it's way back when, 
They still come and they're doing the same things with their children. Their children don't like it. Their children now have children. And uh, for example, one person in particular, she's, she's hell-bent on wanting her grandchildren to be raised a certain way because that is the way she knew and I saw it for God. And her daughter is there saying to her, no, it, mom, this is a different time. This is a different era. You can't expect the same things. And because of that, they don't have a relationship. I see that and I don't want that. And I know for sure that that's something I don't want. So that makes me want to change to the no, because I want to have good relationships with my children and, I, and also my grandchildren. Why stick to the old-fashioned ways where you know for sure it didn't work, at least some of the things? Why not try to change? And for some of us, it's egotism why we don't want to change. And that is wrong. So I feel like you have to do what makes things work today. Some of the things that I do to try and make that change are to listen, first of all, listen to your children. You have to listen. You have to pay attention to their needs and what they're feeling. You can't just go off what you think, because in the first place, that is what is causing the problem, what you feel and what you think you know, and what you, the way you were brought up and all of that. You have to listen. And after listening, you have to go by, you know, what they ask you to do and, and try to follow that as much as possible. Some of us are set in our ways because I have friends that are, and those are the ones that are still having problems today. You have to be open and receptive to change. And the listening will help you know how to change and what to change to, depending on the person. Because if you don't, then you're not going to have a relationship with your children. Some people, and everybody's personality is different, right? Some people are stubborn. Some people are flexible. You know, some people are seriously inflexible and all of that. I think even if you are inflexible, just for the sake of wanting a relationship, whether it be your children, nieces, nephews, cousins, or whoever they are, right across the board, just being open to change, no matter what your personality is, just, just that. That is not going to change who you are, really. All it is is just you're, you're trying to live up to the current times and be relevant to what's going on today and not be stuck in old-fashioned ways. I think the consequences of being inflexible and thinking that what you're thinking as a middle-aged person is, is, is not old-fashioned, and you're free to do that if you want to, but one clear example I can give you is this. A lot of us, and I say us, right, in, in, in this age group, love to say, or used to say, children should be seen and not heard. That is not something that is relevant these days. Children are people too. They have ideas. They have opinions. And I'm not talking about being rude or anything like that. I'm, and being rude, you know, you, you have to define that as well. Children have thoughts. 
And they can speak too, because in growing up, one of the strong, strong things from my parents was exactly that. Children should be seen and not heard. So when we had visitors come over, but to disappear, or if you don't disappear, you're going, you know you're going to get a beaten after they leave. And now it's a pleasure to listen to children speak and hear their ideas and their thoughts. And some of their ideas and thoughts sounds even better than some adults. So I just think that it's important to be flexible and not just be set in your ways. And I keep saying old-fashioned, but some people might not see it as being old-fashioned. I use the term, so, you know, if you don't see it that way, it's fine. But I keep saying that because that's what it was for me. And that example that I just made was a huge one for me because I had to live by that. And I had children who were very expressive, very opinionated, very bright, still are. And if I had suppressed them, if I had lived by that, my children would have suffered. And so for me, that is the clearest example and why I feel that we have to be flexible as grandmothers and, well, parents as well. And great-grandmothers even, because some of us are that at this age. Well, I listened to the podcast of Danny and Asia, and I'm in agreement with them. I didn't feel like they were doing anything that was, and I don't want to use the word wrong, but I didn't feel like there was anything else that they needed to do. They are living in the now. They are the ones that are living in the now. And after hearing their stories, and I could relate to some of them, particularly Danny, I didn't come across an instance where I would have, would have corrected them. or Because it's not like they didn't try. They did try, particularly Danny. She had mentioned several times of the different things she tried. The trial should have been on her mom's part. Again, I come back to saying that is what I um, had to do. I'm glad that I did because I can have a conversation about almost anything right now, even with my granddaughters, because I made the effort to try and not live by those ways or those, again, I'm going to use the term old-fashioned ways that I was raised on because a lot of things have changed, a lot of things have improved, and we have to be open to that. I go back to saying I have friends who are not having a good relationship with their offspring and their grands because of this. In those moments when I get triggered by maybe a request from a child of mine or, you know, or if there's something that they ask me to do or not to do, and I might be, you know, a little uncomfortable with it. Or I upset. Or, or even upset. I stop. Um, I listen. I, the first and foremost thing I do is listen because that's how you're going to know what it is that is being requested. I listen. I process it. I might not be in agreement with it. I get quite, I don't get argumentative because that's not going to solve anything. So I process it. I might ask a question or two about it. 
and then I leave it alone. And usually by the next time that I see them again or I'm in their company again, we're fine because I might say to them, all right, I've thought about it and this is what I'll do moving forward. Or I might not say anything and just act, do the act. And then we're good. And it has happened several times like that and it works. So different people can do different things. Again, you can just listen, not say anything, and just do do the, you know, perform the request. Or you can discuss it and come to an agreement and then act according to the agreement. So triggers don't turn me off. I get upset, but it doesn't turn me off completely. Like, okay, I'm not going back over there or I'm not talk to them again or in a business I fit and pick me. I don't do that because I want to be involved. I want to be in their lives. That's how I handle my triggers. Part of what that does, because that's a relationship dynamic in any way, similar with me and Chris, it incentivizes the other person to really hear you beyond the moment because you see the person trying. Like, I, you know, I've seen it several times with us where something happens and I feel like you, t- you know, you brought other baggage into the thing or how I am is sometimes a way for you, but then you don't, you know, you, you seem upset and then we talk about it and then I offer something and then you don't say anything, but then you do better next time. Mm. And so I love that you, not only is that great because the lip service is irrelevant, you know, the action is what's important, but then it also reminds me, I could do that too. I can just do it or not do it. You know, it's a relationship dynamic. Mm. It mm. works in any relationship. Mm. Sometimes you have to stretch yourself a little bit. And when you do that, a healthy partnership, it sh- it gives the other person permission to do that a little bit more themselves too. Mm-hmm. And then the more you're doing that and they're doing that, it, you just there's less and less of an impasse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In our relationship, I've noticed that we've got closer, and as the girls have gotten older too. And I feel that has been attributed to me just being flexible with your and Chris's request where the children are concerned. Um, Also, my relationship with the girls, you know, being around them and hearing how they think and seeing their actions and stuff. And I find that I'm, I'm doing less. Well, as the years went by, I found that I did less and less of the things that were not welcomed, so to speak. And at the end of the day, they're not my children to raise. They are my daughter and her husband's children, which is what I said to myself, you know, that they're not my children. They're my daughter and her husband's children. So having that mindset and allowing them to parent their children their way improved my relationship, I feel. And it just got better and better each time. Is this you? You are raising a young person, whether as a parent or helping to raise one as a family member or supporting families as a revolutionary educator. And you want to do that from a place of clarity and healing. And you want to interrupt that history. You want to end those habits that you refuse to pass on to the children in your life. If that is you, I have something for you. The Deschooling Communications Collective, where we offer rhythm, people, language, and practice to help you liberate your leadership lens. 
Together, we're going to get these thriving relationships going and growing. So join our collective and use the entire year of 2020 to build a bridge to partnership with the children in your life. Get details, raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 151. Do you feel like you compromise yourself? Do you also feel seen and heard and whole in the relationship dynamics? I don't feel like I compromise myself in order to be in the relationship at all. I don't feel that way one bit. I'm doing what I want to do. I just, I love my family and I want to be a part of them. You want to be involved in your family's life. You want to be nice to be around. You want to be, you want people to look forward to coming to visit you or to stay with you or to go on the road with you and do things with you. So for me, those are some of the reasons for wanting to change. I didn't feel forced or, or traumatized or, oh my God, now I'm going to do this because if I'm going to do this, then now I'm going to... No, not, it was none of that for me. It was a willingness, just sheer me wanting to be involved. Being part of an unschooling family gives me great pleasure. I, I see the girls, I, I see the way how they've grown and how it has actually helped them. I feel like I could explain it to someone my age. And as a matter of fact, I have been doing that because there are women in my 60-something age group that have asked me about the work that you're doing because they don't understand it at all. And I'll get questions like, but what is that? How, you know, because, you know, we come from an era where people have to go to school, children That's must go to school. Well, like now, particularly yeah. back then. I, I get to explain it, and even the little explanation that I give them kind of gives them some sort of, and I'm like, oh, I'll say things like, my God, I wish we knew that then what we know now, because some of the things that we were doing back then, it really um, wasn't the thing to do. Those things were instilled upon us. Then we had our children, and we instilled that upon our children, or here you are now, being aware and doing this work, you're helping to change the dynamic of that, which is a good thing. And I feel in my own little way that I'm helping to contribute. I love it and I want to continue doing it. And I'm helping, again, like I said, to make people in my age group aware of it. Um, I don't think there was ever a time that I questioned it, like, Lord, is what is now. That, there was never that time for me. For me, what it was, I just wanted to see the unfolding of it and how it would turn out. And it has been wonderful so far. So, yeah, I'm glad to be a part of it. My name is Valerie Anderson. I'm Akila's mother. I am a middle-aged woman who spent many years, and as, as a matter of fact, I'm still in that field as a legal professional, legal assistant. And I'm slowly morphing out of that after all those years into doing things that I really like. I'm towards the end of it, you know, heading into retirement. And I use that word loosely because retirement for me is not going to be going home to sit down, you know, and watch TV or in a rocking chair. Uh, there are things that I love to do. I love to dance. I love to sing in my own little way. I love plants. 
And I consider myself a social butterfly. And I think I coupled those things with wanting to be around people and plants. So I, I make juices and I sell them. Started out doing them for myself and it turned into a little business, which I'm happy about. My plants thing, everybody that knows me knows how very much I love plants. I have plants all over my house. You come in, there's a plant in every room. If I visit somebody's house, I peek into the different rooms to see what kind of plants they have. And if they don't have one, I make a suggestion. <laughs> um, pinching myself sometimes, hoping that I'm not a bit too overwhelming. But I just love doing that. As to the dancing, started doing that as a child. Still love it. And this past summer, I started a little dance fitness thing, particularly for middle-aged women, but it could be anybody. Going to pick that up again come this summer. And pretty much I'm just doing things that I like to do at this point. Love accommodating Akila and her family and listening to their unschooling escapades. I myself am de-schooling and it has brought me into that phase and I'm, I so welcome it. I think were it not for that, I wouldn't even have, it wouldn't even have dawned on me. So I'm really loving the unschooling and the de-schooling that I am doing as a result of all of this. Another thing that I'm de-schooling from is prioritizing me. I was always of the opinion that I have this to do, I have that to do, or I always feel like I don't have time because I have this to do, I have that to do. And now I'm taking time out for me. I'm doing me things, paying attention to my plants and loving them and having time for them. Just going somewhere by myself, I'll get on the road and drive five, six, seven, eight hours to somewhere just by myself. And that alone time is so, it feels so good. Even walking up five, six miles, I'll just go by myself. And in other words, I don't have to have somebody to do stuff with. And in the past, I had to because I just didn't see having time for just me as a big deal. So I'm de-schooling from not prioritizing myself. And I'm so happy about that. Be sure to check out the show notes page for today's episode, raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 151, where you will get details to connect with Val and other sweet tidbits related to this particular episode. That's raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 151. If you're loving what you're hearing, head over to patreon.com forward slash Akila. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash A-K-I-L-A-H. You can support the show at any level, starting as low as a dollar a month. And when you join us over on Patreon, you can take advantage of the extra content, or you can just sit with comfort and confidence knowing that your contribution helps me and my team to make this happen every single week. So if you love what you're hearing, drop on over to patreon.com forward slash Akila and put a little bit of something, something on it. All right. 